Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast where we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of December 2021, and we are in the midst of Kyle's cold Christmas. Uh, last year we did Kyle's brutal Christmas. Uh, however, this time we're just uh, we're doing cold movies. So uh, last week, Kyle had the pick. Uh, he selected a... Uh, Xavier Jens, a uh, French-Spanish uh, production, I believe, called Cold Skin, uh, featuring the Punisher fighting uh, fish people. <laughs> um, and uh, this week, I had the pick. Uh, we're back to our usual format of uh, bouncing back and forth between who's introducing a film to whom. Uh, and we have a mutual uh, catching up. That is a film that neither Kyle nor I have seen uh, in the form of a German film that I selected called uh, North Face or Nordwand. Uh, if we're going from the German. Nordwand. Nordwand. Uh, yes, there's going to be a lot of fun German pronunciations yes. and mispronunciations, I assure you. <laughs> fun yes. times ahead. <laughs> yes. If you're a German listener, you will be triggered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, This is apparently directed by uh, Philip Stolzel. Uh, again, Kyle, you may have to assist me. You probably have a better German tongue than I do, but I will try my best. But... Um, this fella has an interesting filmography, uh, I will say that much. Um, no films really that I'm familiar with, however, uh, he does have an extensive theater background. Like, if you pull up his IMDb or his, uh, his Wikipedia, you'll find that most of his credits are operas. Mm. Um, and I kind of saw that, because this is a very dramatic film. I wouldn't say overly so, like, not to the point of melodrama. However, it is, it is a grand spectacle. Uh, so I can I can I can see some of his fingerprints on it in the form of his opera background, but um, right out the gate, Kyle, be, like catching up on cinema, we do full spoilers here, so we'll we'll warn you listeners ahead of time that uh, yes, we are going to be spoiling all the historic events that are covered in this film. This is based on true events, but right out the gate, Kyle, I'll ask you, uh, what did you think of this one? Uh, this was actually a really good movie, um, and uh, not to be mean, but one of the better picks that you've chosen for me to watch for the uh, for the podcast. Um, <laughs> I was a little skeptical going in. Uh, I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is going to be very good. Uh, you just it, you know, with foreign films, usually word of mouth is pretty good. Like Parasite, nobody could shut up about Parasite. It was like Parasite's the greatest thing that's ever happened, and it is an excellent film. Um, but this is not one that I've heard of, or I've had a, heard that has a reputation. Um, but it is actually a very good movie. Um, not only in just like kind of setting up and like developing the characters, but actually like pulse pounding action. Like it's actually very tense uh, throughout the whole film. Yeah, I was I was very impressed with this film. Uh, this was largely a blind pick on my part. I was telling Kyle this that I I also quite enjoyed this film, but uh, the way I ended up selecting this was well, uh, one Kyle had just put forth the theme. Uh, for the month, uh, only a few days prior, uh, so we firmly established we're talking cold movies uh, mm-hmm. for the month of December 2021. Oh, and this one definitely gets it. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck, and then some. Like, this is making me uncomfortable, man. Like this, I was like, fuck. Like, I, I found myself unconsciously, like, rubbing my hands together a lot. Like, because, like, like, anytime I was looking at people's hands, like, in the in the elements like minus gloves and stuff i was just like oh man like that i i know where that's going i don't i don't want oh fuck it's got it got as bad as i thought it was gonna get and then some but uh the way i i picked this film was um i've been reading a book 
uh, called uh, The Creative Gene uh, by uh, Hideo Kojima, uh, who, Kyle, I, I don't know if you'd know his name, but um, he's, a, he's a Japanese uh, game, game creator, game director. Um, he created the uh, Metal Gear Solid franchise, oh. uh, Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid, and most recently uh, Death Stranding. Um, and he's a, he's a wildly eccentric individual. Um, he can't help but kind of uh, spotlight any and all of his interests seemingly like at random in any product that he manufactures. So like Metal Gear games are just like sprinkled with just like random philosophy and just like little factoids that he finds interesting. It's like, does this have anything to do with anything? It doesn't? Well, cool. It's there. <laughs> but anyway, I thought it was really neat that they, they put out a book that's it's not like a an intentionally created book. It's a a collection of essays written by him. And it's essentially uh, Oprah's favorite things, uh, but hmm. from an, an eccentric uh, game Japanese game developer. Okay. Um, so it's a collection of essays uh, from him about uh, movies, music, books, and films. Uh, I already said movies um, that have inspired him uh, in his in his own creative process. And it just so happened that only like a day or two after we. Uh, Kyle and I had recorded the Cold Skin episode, uh, and I knew I had to select a cold movie. I I came across this chapter about Nordvond, um, and he was just gushing about this movie. He was just saying, "You got to just run run the fuck out and see it," because it really heavily inspired him. And actually, I I can see it uh, because his most recent game, Death Stranding, uh, is heavily based in logistics um, and traversal. Like the, that's the key game game mechanics of that of that game is oh. getting from place to place and negotiating the terrain, and that is largely this film. Honestly, yeah. it's just showing the sheer difficulty in negotiating terrain and getting getting from one difficult place to another. Um, basically, places that the places that the land doesn't actually want you to be. <laughs> honestly, it's like there's there there's no place for you up here. I'm sorry, like. It, it, your your will can be in it, but like really, you're just humans aren't meant to be up here. Only only very very special and determined humans can actually make this make this climb. But um, yeah, uh, we should probably break down uh, a little bit of the background with the the actors and the director. So I already mentioned the director, uh, Philip Stoltzel, but um, no serious familiar faces in the cast here. But just like perusing their. Uh, their filmographies here um this is of course based on a true story so these are stand-ins for real people um i want to say the journalist uh, louisa is a manufactured character I'm, I'm not positive on that um but we we have our two climbers uh we have uh, benno Fuhrman as a uh, tony kurtz or uh i'm not pers- i'm not positive on the pronunciation kurtz is fine that'll work and uh florian lucas as a uh, andreas Hinterstoitze. Um and basically big guy, little guy, honestly. <laughs> like that's really what it comes down to. Tall guy, short guy. Yeah. Um but yeah, neither of these people are, are familiar to me. It seems like they largely have uh domestic German uh careers. Um however Fuhrman uh, looks like he kind of branched out for some international films, although none of them are honestly things to be particularly proud of. Uh, he did a, a Ron Perlman t- like movie I saw on Sci-Fi Channel called Mutant Chronicles. Uh, he was apparently in Speed Racer, um, and uh, I think he may even have a role in that that Amazon uh, TV series adaptation of that movie, Hannah. Mm. Um, but beyond that, he's not a known quantity quantity to me, nor are 
really anyone else in the cast. Uh, Florian Lucas, though, uh, Kyle and I had both uh, noted on his IMDb that uh, apparently he's in uh, Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's a, a wide international release film that you know would get him a lot of exposure. But I was these are largely physical performances rather than you know like dialogue heavy performances. But they really sell the fuck out of it. Like like these people are put in miserable circumstances and they really make you feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, for sure. But uh, Kyle, uh, before we get to the movie proper, I just wanted to ask you: Do you have any background in mountaineering movies? Because this was an odd pick for me. Uh, this is not a particular. This is not obviously a particular area of interest for me. My my interest in cinema generally involves a little bit more punching uh, than climbing. Yeah, uh, but I'm curious. Like, have you have you had any experience with mountaineering movies? I like how you asked me if I have experience in mountaineering movies, not mountaineering. Um, <laughs> because, no, mountaineering is uh, an activity that I find to be uh, stupidly dangerous. And uh, I have absolutely no bucket list ambitions to ever mountain climb in my life. Um, the only other mountain climbing movies that I've seen, and I'm going to throw one in there as extra, was Vertical Limit, which I saw at the time, one time when it came out. Uh, 127 hours again one time when it came out but the edge is um, more or less a mountain uh, a mountain climbing movie uh, out of necessity Uh, but uh, yeah no I don't have any experience with these types of movies and they do give me anxiety just them climbing gives me anxiety but seeing people who are professionals in a bad spot it gives I'm just like like got my hoodie up over my head like oh fuck there this is bad guys this is real bad you shouldn't have gone up there no, I, I totally know the feeling. Uh, I, I protect my neck sometimes when I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I, I think you do the same. Yeah, um, for scary movies. Yeah, I protect my neck. Yeah, yeah but protecting the neck and putting the hoodie up, those are signs of, of honest honest tension in yeah. the part of you, the participant, the audience participant. But, um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned mountaineering being a, a stupid activity, a stupid, stupidly dangerous activity, because yes. um, I also am of the same mind. Um for whatever reason the girlfriend really wants to go skydiving and i'm like are you fucking have you crazy? met me <laughs> yeah have you met me i am a very risk averse i can't being. i can't be in a room with more than five people i don't know i need an adult <laughs> like have you ever seen along came polly i am ben stiller yeah. i get really nervous when people pee next to me that I don't know, or people <laughs> pee next to me that want to have a conversation, that's just not done. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> so I would I would do skydiving. Skydiving seems more. I don't know why it seems more rational to me to do skydiving than mountaineering, and I think it's because of the time it takes. It doesn't take you as long to f- like fall out of the sky than it does to climb up a mountain and get the fuck back down. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the thing that always drives me nuts. It's just like just seeing how much effort goes into making a single step upward and then being reminded that oh yeah and you still got to get down mm-hmm. oh yeah and you're cold and miserable the entire way why <laughs> yeah well I, I do enjoy snowboarding which is a completely different activity but that's about as high up on a mountain as i'm getting uh but unfortunately i don't know if you just saw this but apparently there was an avalanche at crystal mountain and actually uh at least when i looked at it one person had actually died uh, oh wow yeah this is very recent that is very unfortunate i hadn't heard yeah. of that but um but uh, back to the skydiving i will say yeah, that we, yeah. we we compromised and i i told her 
Maybe, but for now, maybe uh, maybe some training wheels first. Let's do an indoor one. See if you enjoy that, and there then you go. and then and then I can kick you out the plane and you know ride the plane back home. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, as for me and mountaineering movies, um, uh, like Kyle had said, I also get tense watching these activities. Um, I had not heard good things about Vertical Limit. Um, just the poster for that movie is like. I don't know. It, it's so of its time. It's almost painful, um, largely in the form of Chris O'Donnell being mm-hmm. like biggest in life it? and twice as ugly. <laughs> yeah, in it, <laughs> in a mainstream film. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it does have an awesome opening scene. I remember this opening scene. I actually listened to a podcast talk about that movie, and it came screaming back to me. I'm like, oh, I forgot about the opening scene. Uh, it's probably a fine one and done for you. Um, it's not going to blow your socks off, but, uh, the opening scene is, is worth seeing. Okay. I, I, you sold me on it. I may have to check it out. Plus we're getting at that arc of the nostalgia wave where movies of that era are starting to feel cozy again, as Mm -hmm. opposed to embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, maybe I'll check that one out. Uh, cliffhanger, I would count, uh, among this, among this particular subgenre. I have um, that seen... also has a banger of an opener. <laughs> that was also yeah. It, I remember the opener. To a that traumatic for sure. opener for some people. <laughs> I, that was also I saw it at the time when it came out. So I was like four when it came out. Jesus, I was like <laughs> four rough. or five. Right? Yeah, I saw the beginning of that and the beginning of Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls, which is the same thing. Oh man, why did they have to get like a really good actress for that scene? Like, like honestly, that's what it comes down to. If she if she hadn't given a shit, like if she had dialed in that performance, it wouldn't have been as traumatic as it was. But yeah, as a young person seeing that opening, it's just like, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> like there's there's still a movie after this. Exactly, it's like there's a, a fun movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, you get John Lithgow as the villain. Oh, he's he is chewing all the scenery. I I love it. I loved him mm. in that. Like he he is a ruthless villain. In fact, I bet if you did the math, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, his body count, like of his own people, is higher than most of the heroes in that movie. Probably. Like it's like, dude, like Blofeld had it right. Like Goldfinger had it right. Like all these James Bond like supervillains, they, they you kill like one guy. Like, like you put Will Ferrell down the chute and set him on fire. That's one guy. You don't kill all your guys. Yeah. Like, who's going to be left to do the dirty work? Like, are, seriously, like John Lithgow versus Sylvester Stallone on the on the base of a, a helicopter hanging off a mountain in a fist fight. It's like, dude, this is the time when you wish you had help. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like it's like this is when you wish you hadn't shot that lady in the back of the head or whatever. It's like because yeah, that's a lot to handle, but. 127 hours uh i've heard good things about i just could not be bothered honestly the james franco effect it's just like it was the wrong time for me to give a shit about james franco and i still really don't never Um, have never never really have that city by the sea movie kind of just like sank his battleship in my book honestly (laughs) i've never understood i mean he's funny like if you throw him in a movie with danny mcbride it's usually a good time yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that, but it's like stick stick to that. Stick that, to Danny McBride, right. yes. Yeah, just stick to fun, stupid shit with Danny McBride. But well, I think actually James um, Franco's sticking to his house right now. I don't think he's getting much work. Yeah, it's been weird. Like, uh, if you check out like the the DVD and Blu-ray releases uh, from month to month, um, he's still been having like a slow trickle of like like film festival or like small release films like over the past couple of years. But beyond that, it's like we don't talk about James Franco. 
It's yeah. like if, if you aren't paying attention to these micro releases, you you wouldn't think he was even active anymore. Honestly, well, there's reasons why he's not active anymore. I I am yeah. well aware. Okay, of this I wasn't style. sure if you. I wasn't sure if you knew that's why. <laughs> no, I am well aware of okay, this. Okay. It's just it's like we're a small time movie podcast. We don't get into that shit. <laughs> that's but, true. Yeah. Uh, I will say that uh, I did see Everest uh, in the theater. Uh, that wasn't my choice. I was brought along for that one, but that was that was good. Like I was really surprised by how good it was because I had zero hype going in, but I was really impressed. It's a very well put together film. It's harrowing. It's well shot. A really strong cast as well. Uh, it has a uh, what's his face? I forget if he's a Kiwi or an Aussie, uh, but he was um, Jason Clark. Does that sound right? Yeah, he's yeah, got yeah, big yeah. old big old noggin. He's got big head. Uh, he, was in, <laughs> he was in one of the latter Terminator films, wasn't yes, he? Yes, yes. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah he, he, I'm not he, sure what big he is. fucking head, man. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's got like an Oliver Platt head or something. But um, he, yeah, he was in it, and Jake Gyllenhaal also. Hmm. Um, and it's a solid movie. It's also based on true events, and it's also a harrowing experience. But. Um, Beyond that, I think those are largely the only mountaineering movies I have any real background with. Um, so that being said, uh, I will pass the baton to you, Kyle. Uh, and being as you are back, I'm so glad to have you back. Uh, would you care to give us a, a, a plot summary for uh, Nordvond from 2008? Yeah, I'm about to beat the, uh, the NFL uh, <laughs> a combine record. Uh, for a 40 yard sprint. Uh, so, for, I mean, it's 40 meter sprint. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, so, this movie, the plot, is a pair of Germans and a pair of Austrians don't climb a mountain in two hours. Yes! <laughs> that, that is an accurate summation of the events of the film. <laughs> uh, and if so, I, unfortunately, I l- wanted to look up, like, because it's a historical uh, film, so I wanted to kind of read up. As I was getting through the film, I kind of wanted to read up on the Mountaineers because the way this movie's marketed, it's like it looks like they're going to make it at the end because it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but you know what? They're going to make it. So I literally thought they were going to make it. And then I looked up and I'm like, dude died at 23. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, he's not going to make it. <laughs> and it's the dude, the one, the guy that's uh, uh, laughed, let, let, left last, the very last person, too. So I'm like, fuck. So now I know that he's definitely not going to make it. So, unfortunate, but the ride getting there is really good. I mean, that says a lot to the quality of the film, that even knowing ahead of time what the the end result is going to be, you still had a good time with it. Um, I, fortunately, I somehow managed to avoid spoilers. Like, I didn't I didn't look up the film at all. I just, I just, like, rented it and then played it, like, right after finishing reading that essay. Uh, so I, I lucked out in that way, and it made for a really thrilling experience because this this movie really does tease you up until the end. Like you're really not sure how it's going to go because honestly, that that result of of all of them failing seems like that's the case like a half an hour before the movie's over. But then it's like, oh, he's still trucking. Like, like it's like this guy, man, this guy's got serious guts. Like yeah. like he just the the will to live is incredible, but. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes the mountain wins. Uh, in this case, it did. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to keep this one pretty casual, um, largely because of the, the actual structure of the film is heavily visual in nature. Um, there is dialogue for sure. We have we have basically uh, two settings represented. And uh, 
two plots unfolding parallel to each other uh, in the form of the stuff on the mountain and the stuff at the base of the mountain. Uh, so there's like a, a fancy, like a very ritzy hotel, by the way, mm-hmm. um, at the base of the mountain where the, the press is hanging out observing the the climbers. Um, and then we have all the events on the mountain and the movie just kind of cuts back and forth. And basically whenever we're on that mountain, it's it's very it's very visually oriented where it's like all the dialogue is is very it's based in jargon uh it's mostly just people giving each other orders or or pointing out aspects of the terrain it's it's not particularly involved dialogue there so we'll we'll talk we'll talk in detail about the film but this is not going to be like a front to back like frame by frame like sometimes we've done in the past um but i will say that uh the the fact that this is based on historic events, I think, does lend some strength uh, to the film. Uh, in per- in particular, the time period and and the climate, like the the social climate, because this does take place in the 1930s. Um, and the the impetus for for these people heading to this mountain, the the Eiger, uh, which has at this point in history in the 1930s never been summited. Um, the reason why all these people are making a run at this mountain is because uh, it is Germany. The Nazi party is in full swing, and uh, Adolf Hitler uh, is preparing for the Olympics. So this is an opportunity for the entire planet to have their lens focused on the nation of Germany, the fatherland. And uh, the idea here is they're going to promote their Germanness, their German strength and honor and pride, uh, by planting a flag on this mountain that has has yet to be climbed. Uh, they refer to it as like the last problem of the Alps, as in like the one peak that has yet to be summited. Uh, so there's there's political motivations at work as to why these people are heading up the mountain. But um, Kyle, as far as I remember, the movie begins uh, with a newsreel explaining all this, correct? Something akin to that? Yeah, it's like a couple of Germans had already tried to, to summit the Eiger North Face and they had apparently died in the process. And um, so we get, what's her name, Luis, like kind of smoking. So I guess that's like the next thing is like they're wanting somebody to climb this mountain again. And I'm, I, it wasn't the aftermath, correct? She was reading what happened before. It was the other, what was their names? The well, two- the, fir- the first shots in the movie are uh, a disembodied hand uh, flipping through a journal. And we don't yeah. yet know who this belongs to, but we do learn eventually. But yeah, she is in the she's in a the theater watching this newsreel. And it's understood that there was a failed expedition up the mountain. Yeah, the uh, first, a, a par- first failed expedition. Carl yeah, and there Max. Was a, Carl, Carl and Max. And yeah. we do see a photo of them later on. But And uh, we do actually see one of them later on, although mm-hmm. obviously been dead for a minute. Um, but yeah, uh, she learns of this, and we were introduced to her before we're even introduced to our climbers. Uh, so we discover that she works in a newsroom. Um, but she's presumably hasn't been there very long or is of a low rank so she's just kind of like a page uh, pushed off to the side um but we also have a moment where she's she is so she is shown like admiring a camera uh, so we kind of see that she has ambition to be doing more than she's allowed to be doing at this point um, but we have this we have this kind of roundtable discussion about what what to do with this this announcement that hey Hitler wants to put put a German on top of this mountain, um, so it's a it's basically all the all the big wigs in the room uh, at the newsroom uh, trying to find an angle to tell to build a story around this, and uh, she kind of snaps to attention because she realizes hey 
I come from a place, I grew up around two guys who were fucking crazy climbers. <laughs> like, this is kind of built for them. Um, but yeah, she kind of like inserts herself into the meeting and essentially gets the gig, although not all at once. Um, but what, what, what was your first impression of her boss, Kyle? I'm very curious. <laughs> uh, the fellow with the mustache. Um, he seemed like he was, uh, he was a stout party member. Like he seemed like he was pretty much buying into the Nazi propaganda at the time. Like we have to do this for nation, for for national pride, and we got to find somebody to do this. Um, but a very watered down version of that, as what we've seen in some other films. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's interesting how subtle a lot of the a lot of the political aspects of the storytelling unfold here. Um, there, it's done in a very sensitive manner, where it's there for sure. It's there, and a couple of times it really breaches the surface pretty aggressively like at that dinner when uh he has some snide remarks to the austrian fellow like yeah. the, the the rich fellow with his wife or lady or whatever their arrangement yeah. is um he he makes some pretty cutting remarks to him they come out of nowhere but it's like oh yeah that's always just below the surface like it, it's that kind of political climate um but yeah one of my one of my personal favorite touches was uh the way we protect our protagonists um, by acknowledging that, yes, they wear the uniforms, but we never see them holding a weapon. And every time they leave the barracks, there's a there's a Heil Hitler delivered by the guy at the gate. And they just say, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> like, they never I, do it back. <laughs> I, I really like it because it is an interesting story. And one I could definitely see being, you know, it, it was good for film. Like someone's like, we should do a movie about these guys. But like, we got to be very careful about how we portray them as being Nazis. We're like, they're not really nazis they're 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 enlisted but they're not they're not really with them you know they don't really care yeah it um i mean this is this is a flimsy comparison i'm sorry i I don't have much background with german cinema obviously (laughs) but um it kind of reminded me of part of the opening of das boot uh, where, yeah, very much. Where we I know had what you mean. we had the the true believers, and that we had the guys that are in the military, but they're not part of the party. Like they're um, doing the job, but they're, that they're, they have different motivations, or at least I, they're not fully on board with things. I can't think of the captain's name. Uh, that actor, Jürgen Prochnow. Jürgen Prochnow. Yeah, so he's very much like he even calls him out on it. He's like, I'm not. He's like, I'm a German, I'm a, uh, I'm a German captain. He's like, I'm not a Nazi captain. I'm not buying into this propaganda. Uh, and yeah. you never at any point think that he is in line with that. And actually when they're offered, like they're, they come up with all the, the Nazi soldiers to get food and he's just, they're like kind of whatever about it. It's like not a big deal to us. Yeah. Uh, incredible film, by the way, folks. Yeah. If you have, if you haven't seen that one, it's a long one, but it's worth it. Absolutely totally worth, worth your it. time. <laughs> by the way, Kyle, um, uh, Orion, who has been on the show previously, uh, he he doesn't collect film soundtracks, but he has a vinyl collection, and uh, I found a uh, record of Das Boot, the, the score, uh, in the wild. Uh, so I gave that to him as a gift a while back, and I I, I earned so many fucking brownie points with the girlfriend's dad um, because he just he just had like music playing in the background. Oh yeah, you told me and, this, and you're like, and, is this and das I was. Boot? Yeah. I was like, is this Das Boot? And he was like, how the fuck did you know that? That's pretty <laughs> like, impressive. I was uh, like, all right, all right. <laughs> I did that. I did that with, um, there was a 
song uh, sung in Spanish from a Mexican artist, and I don't know how I knew it, but I did know some of the lyrics to the song. And there was a uh, there was a group of guys working in a restaurant that I was working at, and they were listening to it in the back, and I was kind of walking through, and I started singing along to it, and like, how the fuck do you know this? <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, I don't know how I know this. <laughs> and they're like, that, that's kind of crazy, but yeah, I know what that's you mean. That's really cool. When you throw somebody off, like, how the fuck do you even know this? Oh, that's really cool. I mean, I did something not not as impressive as that, but uh, when I was at Pike Place the other day, somebody, somebody with some booth there was playing uh, Cancion del Mariachi uh, from the opening of Desperado. That would oh. be the Antonio Banderas song. And I was like, oh, I know the lyrics to that one. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I don't know Spanish worth a damn, but I know all of that song. <laughs> but, um, yeah, our, our opening uh, plays out here with... Uh, with Louisa, uh, who is one of our protagonists, but like I said, I think she's a manufactured character strictly for drama. Uh, she's framed as kind of a love interest uh, for Tony, uh, aka the tall guy, um, and, and not not Andy, uh, who is the short guy. And uh, at this point, I think it's important to maybe maybe point out some people that we thought of to compare these actors to, just maybe to help the listeners understand who we're referencing when, because I feel like we're, we're not especially going to be referring to names very often here. Uh, so in Louise's case, uh, this actress, uh, again, not known to me, uh, Joanna Wokalek, uh, she kind of reminded me of Franca Potente a little bit. I don't know uh, that is. Similar kind of look. She, uh, she had a moment in like the, the late 90s early 2000s she's from a uh, run lola run and uh the born films a uh, similar kind of look and I, I believe she's also german but um tony uh tony uh was making me think of like a german mads mikkelsen a little bit uh, mostly because of the haircut i think um and and he's got a, a particular head shape he, he's like he has a if you look at like bert and ernie he would be more a bert than an ernie He's got a very long head <laughs> and, and a, a Mads Mikkelsen type uh, haircut. And uh, uh, Andy, uh, he kind of made me think of uh, Steve Zahn for whatever reason. <laughs> Something about his nose and his mouth made me think of like Jamie Bell or Steve Zahn. <laughs> he reminds me of uh, Alan Leach, who plays uh, Tom in uh, Downton Abbey. Uh, he's an Irish actor, but if you looked him up, you're like, oh yeah, they, same same head, same hair, like uh, just yeah, very similar. But yeah, I thought that uh, Louise looked like uh, um, uh, Christian Shawl, basically. Oh yeah, I, I could I could kind of see that. I'll have to look up the Downton Abbey guy because uh, I I've heard good things about that show, but I've never actually watched it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so. This is around the time we get introduced to a, a, a trick that they do with the editing here, where it's like we kind of juxtapose the uh, the situations of of our two uh, of our two parties. So we have our reporters and we have our climbers, and in most cases, when we see our reporters, they're in the lap of luxury. Uh, they're very comfortable most of the time, and anytime we show our climbers, oh man, they are in, they are literally in the shit. Uh, Case in point, the first shot we get of them is them cleaning the toilets in the barracks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of beautiful, actually, where it's just like hard cut from the newsroom to somebody scrubbing scrubbing a latrine, essentially. Uh, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> I'm not buying any of this shit, okay? So they're like, they missed, they were late for curfew, so they got to clean the latrines. That's totally fine. Um, but at one point, they're trying to get out of 
work to go climb basically it's like it comes much later but the one guy says uh let us off or we quit and somehow they end up getting off i'm like i don't think you can just quit being a nazi they were pretty adamant about you being a nazi once you were a nazi yeah i i had the same reaction but then again i don't i don't know factually how a lot of this shit played out especially in this time period because remember this is like early this is before this is before the entire world was making a run at them like (laughs) like like this is before it was like a total war situation and we got to mobilize and just throw bodies out there to hope like just hope for the best so at this point i wouldn't be surprised if maybe they're a little not loosey-goosey that doesn't sound very german nor nazi-ish but wouldn't be surprised if there was some attempt to like I don't know, maintain the public image of the party a little bit, like, like give an air of prosperity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, look how fancy and, like, cleanly pressed our uniforms are. Look how sexy our troops are and stuff like that, as opposed to, like, get the fuck out there! <laughs> it's like, is that a tank? No, it's it's half a tank. It's all we got. That's literally all the metal we have in Germany. It's 1944. Fuck off. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty, like, like, as far as I can tell, Kyle, like, so they're allowed, they're currently in the military but they're allowed to like sleep at home is that what i'm getting yeah i mean if they're it depends on where they're stationed i mean you just because you're um stationed somewhere doesn't mean you necessarily have to sleep at the barracks if they have a base uh it could be a place that's close to home i'm not entirely sure if they just had a base that was near home and that's where they were sent um but i'm guessing that was the that was the case here oh so they just have like a, a shift essentially like they have a curfew and have a time to report for duty and then yeah, they're allowed I, to return to their home if they're local yeah and uh i mean yeah the one dude's mom was there but i mean like a lot of dudes that are a lot of people that are in the military after a certain point they have apartments out in town like they they just get a place but it seems like it's their hometown though that they're at yeah yeah that that's the vibe i got but um yeah our our unceremonious uh unceremonious introduction to our two climbers tony and andy uh, comes in the form of them scrubbing the turlets um, and being chewed out, um, and then this is where we get them leaving, leaving the barracks and uh, <laughs> giving their very casual see ya uh, in response to the High Hitler. Uh, this happens more than once to reinforce like they're they are these two guys are pretty good people. Like you don't have to worry about cheering them on. Yeah. Um, and then we see what they do on their free time, uh, and we we get this moment where tony is like readying up his gear and they they head out to a a peak that's presumably pretty local to them um and i really appreciate just the the beauty of this sequence because not not only is it interesting to look at um it also imparts a lot of important visual information to us the viewer in that it kind of gives you like a shorthand education as to the logistics of how the all this shit works Uh, because you know your average person me me included doesn't really know how to climb a mountain but this is this is a very loose visual explanation as to how like how this actually happens and how it's done um it's kind of neat looking at uh andy and uh the the cut he got on his wrist because he has just like blood poured all all over his forearms when they get to the peak but he doesn't even really notice but it's like a demonstration of kind of what's to come it's like that's that's the attitude that's the grit that that kind of comes with the territory here um but this is where it's kind of imparted to us that the journal from the opening seems to belong to tony because uh, it looks identical to the one from the opening and we see that they uh, apparently crafted a new route uh, up this mountain uh, it looks like it's been climbed multiple times but this 
uh, this route that they took to reach the top is unique to them. So they, they are pioneers. Um, and it's around this time that uh, Louisa, uh, who had said that she had grown up with them, arrives in town. And we have this happy reunion and stuff. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's it's a little cheesy. Like, it's a little bit melodramatic. A lot of the stuff between Tony and, and Louisa here is is melodramatic in the form of them just like making really explicit eyes at each other in particular tony it's like dude like like, turn it down a notch you were like staring into her soul um but then uh we we get some uh some white people shit guile uh we go dancing (laughs) um and also we get to see some uh like proper uh german military folks in here some proper nazis that's like ends lends a little bit of tension to the air but um, basically, Louisa, if I'm understanding correctly, Kyle, like, is she basically here to float the idea of like, hey, uh, are you going to climb the mountain? Because I'm a, I want to be a reporter, and it would be really cool if I had a story. Yeah, I think that's basically what she's getting at. <laughs> yeah, they're at a dance hall. Polka, 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 polka. Like I said, uh, some white people shit. <laughs> yeah, doing some polka dancing. So yeah, and and. Tony knows what's up. He's like, I know what the fucking Nazi party wants us to do. They wanted to do it for nation. And he's like, that's not what I want to do it for. I want to do it for me, basically. And uh, what's his face? The other guy, Andy. Uh, He's, you know, he's tying one off. Uh, He's getting super smashed. But yeah, basically she's like, there's a chance for a story for me. And my editors basically told me that this can get me started in, in a, as a career because she's basically just uh, Selena Kyle in Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't get pushed out a window or nothing, but, um, no. but yeah, she is kind of close to that. Um, although, she will emotionally. I mean, Selena Kyle did have her uh, her ski accident, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, as, as she explained it at one point, but. Um, yeah, uh, basically she's hanging out with them and it goes from like a really happy reunion with dancing and drinking and singing and whatnot uh, to this moment of tension where Tony uh, remarks that like, hey, I, I those guys who died on that same mountain uh, were peers of ours. Uh, we kind of knew them and we're kind of bummed out that they died. It's a very dangerous mountain. There's no there's a reason why nobody's ever reached the top before. And uh, the, I, I really loved, like, the the use of dialogue here to establish, like, the sense of dread and tension to come. Where he, he says, like, I'm, I'm not afraid of anything. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I don't have any fear of climbing and whatnot, but that particular mountain, that particular peak, it, he refers to it as a lottery. It's mm-hmm. just like, it, it can change on a dime on you, and it doesn't come down to your skill or your grit or your your mountaineering acumen or anything it's 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 purely just a coin toss whether you're going to make it or not and i i thought that was interesting he's like it doesn't matter how good i am the mountain can just decide that's it um but yeah there's a tense moment between him and louisa who as i mentioned that they obviously have some sort of past with each other and she even remarks as he's trying to leave that like you know, I I used to climb with you guys, and I'd always be waiting for you. I'd always be a few steps behind. And he's like, "Yeah, no, I was was waiting for you too." Um, but yeah, this is where uh, Louisa kind of is a little put out because she's like, she was really banking on like using them as as like a a foothold to to move to bigger and better things in her career. Um, and we see our our heroes, our two Germans, um, miserable in the military for a minute. <laughs> Um, and 
this is where Kyle had pointed out they uh, somehow weasel out of their duties for like a full month or something. Um, they lie and say that Tony is getting married and he needs Andy because he's his best man. And as Kyle had stated, they, they say, uh, either you let us go or we quit. Uh, and apparently that was good enough. <laughs> and by the way, the guy who lets them go is—he seems like a, a hard ass. Like I was shocked. <laughs> and even uh, the way it's framed, it, it don't. I'll, at first, I thought they did quit, but then it's like, oh no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, it seemed like he was. He knows there. He knows what it's up. He knows that they're gonna go climb. He he's not stupid. Uh, and you have this rapport with your higher ups in the military. Like you can, it, it's a little different there. It's like, they're going to yell at you, but they also, they're stuck with you. So they, they know like sometimes you just got to let just, all right, just fucking go, dude. Just fine. We'll take care of it. We'll, we'll be fine without you. So anyway, our, uh, our two Germans, uh, they, they break camp and they head out, uh, to start planning their, their route for the mountain. Like, they won't know entirely until they're there uh, because they have to scout it. But um, we see them actually handcrafting their tools. And that was that was really interesting because, again, it's in the 1930s. It's like we don't have, like, an REI like yeah. we do now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, so they and, – and I'm sure there were still – this was still work in progress in terms of the science and the technique of mountain climbing. For sure. So, yeah, so, like, to see them actually blacksmithing their own tools and, like, having to take into account – finances because you know they don't have that much money they have basically what the military gives them and i'm sure it's not that much and in fact (laughs) their finances are so tight uh that instead of taking a train to i believe it's switzerland uh they ride their bikes yeah hauling all their stuff it's about 700 kilometers yeah and and then they plan to climb a mountain right after (laughs) jesus fuck (laughs) yeah that's like tour de france Plus mountain climbing after that, like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it it is quite the undertaking, but they seem very happy about. It. Like they don't seem complaining about. Well, it, but they're um, also super young. Like they're both like twenty two or twenty three at this time. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. That is something that I wasn't aware of uh, because I didn't do my research beforehand. Um, so yeah, Kyle had looked that up, and yes, they they were both very young. Uh, that makes it even more tragic, I guess. Um, damn. Uh, yeah. but we we uh continue that pattern of juxtaposing the the uh comfort levels and the positions of our two parties in the form of showing our heroes on their bikes uh and uh andy actually even pops a tire by the way <laughs> um yeah. and we cut to our reporters very like riding the coziest most pleasant looking train you'll ever see in the most beautiful landscape in the world like my god the scenery in this movie is fantastic um, but they're just in the lap of luxury in this beautiful train uh, riding up the mountain. And we keep cutting back and forth between these guys just, like, trudging up this mountain path, like, hauling all their shit on their bikes. And then these people just, like, roll into town, and they're dressed to the nines. And we, this is where we meet the, like, Austrian aristocrats. Uh, the <laughs> the guy that looks like, um, what's-his-face, Valentin from uh, GoldenEye. Uh, I can't remember his name. Hagrid from Harry Potter, Kyle. Help oh, me out here. Robbie Coltrane. Yes, he kind of looks like an Austrian Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. And, uh, his, and his, like, kind of hot wife. <laughs> but um, we see here that there's, like, a there's like a, a whole hubbub at this uh, at this uh, hotel that I was 
tickled a little bit by the fact that I think it says Bellevue on the outward facing billboard of the of the building. I was like, oh, yeah, that's wow. fitting. That's really fitting. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, the texture, the 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 look of it is a little similar to our local Bellevue out here in the Pacific Northwest, but um, yeah, it's yeah, filled with rich see- and much like the Bellevue <laughs> in that film, it's filled with rich people. Yeah, <laughs> and totally devoid of culture. <laughs> totally devoid of culture. <laughs> They've got a Maggiano's there, dude. You can go get an Italian family-style uh, meal in Bellevue. That's the highlight of Bellevue. Oh, shit. They have a Sbarro down the road, too. <laughs> yeah, you can keep it. Uh, but, yeah, we see there's a big hubbub because uh, just the, the locals, the, the high society types, the reporters, it, they've all caught wind of the fact that Hitler put out this notice that, hey, the Olympics, are they're, com- they're coming. And we got to put a German on that mountain. Uh, so the the call has gone out, and all the mountaineers are starting to gather at the base of the mountain to make preparations. And so the word has spread such that people are gathering, kind of like this. Is kind of reminds me of the the New York Marathon episode of Seinfeld, <laughs> where it's a bunch of ritzy people in like a high rise apartment uh, watching the runners go by. Ah, <laughs> uh, good episode. Uh, look it up. I love that bit where the woman says, you're all winners. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, these people are gathering at this ritzy hotel to, like, spectate uh, the mountain voyage, essentially. Um, and we see our, our our mountaineers pitching tents in the grass. Yeah. Like, a few hundred meters from the hotel. And then we cut to the interior of the hotel and we see everybody just like sharing drinks and they're dressed in their suits and their dresses and whatnot. They're having a grand old time. And this is where Kyle, like, is is it accurate to call the Austrians the uh, the Carrie Elwes of of this mountain expedition? <laughs> I'm sorry, like the, I didn't the, I didn't I didn't catch any of that. Sorry. Uh, so I was thinking of the Austrians uh, as essentially the the evil storm chasers like yes. from twister yes but but with mountain climbing <laughs> yes they are they are the uh jonas jonas and his crew basically what is what is the bill paxton line in regards to carrie elwitz's uh ethics in that film uh oh uh he sold out and got some corporate sponsors uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's in it for the money not, not the, the science sun. yeah <laughs> jesus Good fucking Twister's fucking awesome. Amazing movie, <laughs> amazing movie. Uh, yeah, our Austrians are essentially the Jonas of yeah. climbers, and they're blonde. <laughs> they're, yeah, and they're blonde. Um, and uh, yeah, they they roll up on our our two German heroes, and uh, I thought it was really interesting here because it's not. I don't think it's ever ever explicitly laid out, but um, Tony actually asked them, like, what did they give you? As in, it sounds like the uh, the Austrians were incentivized, uh, either by either by the German government, the German military, or what have you, uh, maybe even the Austrian government, uh, to climb this mountain right fucking now. Um, whereas our two Germans, like they were urged to do it by the press, but they don't have sponsorship or anything. Like they they aren't getting a reward other than you know probably a front page article and a medal or something. I think a gold medal is at stake. But it sounded like these Austrians were like promised a lot or something i think so the austrians actually greet the germans with heil hitler and again our germans don't say it back um so i think what if they're cutting like a deal it's like hey if the austrians end up 
climbing first, then we're going to say that you're, you know, awesome people of part of the uh, German Republic and you're part of the Nazi party and this is going to be all of our triumph, basically. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I did get that vibe and they did say that, like, Austria's this fucking close to flipping anyway. So they're, like, it, it sounded like they're there there's some sort of deal being made here <laughs> i did think it was funny that like during their introduction they do mention that they're picking mushrooms mm-hmm. and, and andy's like how fucking high are you guys mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like pretty fucking high <laughs> getting ready to climb a crazy mountain better get high <laughs> but uh we we see our reporters uh kind of do a, a scouting mission of their own uh we, we're cutting back and forth again between our reporters uh doing recon uh and our our mountaineers doing the exact same thing uh, in the form. Like we actually see a couple of attempts made at the mountain. Like there's a French team an Italian team an Austrian team and our Germans. Um, and they're all planning their routes. Uh, and the Germans are doing it largely uh, via a map and just clever, like just keen observation at a distance without, without making a climb. Um, but our reporters actually do what they do. And they just ride a train up like a decent way up the mountain uh, just to just for looky loos essentially, and it's very cozy. Uh, Louisa takes some photos, and by the way, there's there's like a subplot in the form of uh, her boss, um, kind of vacillating back and forth between being an outright creeper and not quite a creeper, and he, then like big time creep. It's like he's every time he gets really close to being like a disgusting pig, he kind of pulls away. Yeah, and then he's right back to it because, like, in the dark room, I was getting really tense. But then he he like he did a heel he did a face turn. And it's like, oh no, never mind. He's he's not doing anything weird here. Yeah, I don't think the Nazis had the uh, um, you don't really have the option uh, at this point, but it's definitely on the cusp there. And I feel like he is somebody who's going to benefit greatly from being a party member in the near future. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean because I kept waiting for it to have that turn as well. But it would have been so out of place here; like it wouldn't have, it wouldn't be needed at all in this story. Well, and they they get the point across. That's like he, he he's, I mean, he's not a disgusting person or anything like that. He's just he's slimy. Yeah, and and, and even the way he speaks is very theatrical, and and like his his vocabulary is greatly expanded in comparison to some of our other characters. Like he can he can like entertain a room like case in point him hopping on the fucking piano and stuff like mm-hmm. he 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 makes some overtures toward towards he makes some like overt moves towards Louisa from time to time but like it seems like somewhat appropriate when he gets around to it it's like he he like eases into it um, yes. and and he never completely makes a fucking fool of him himself or anything um but yeah he does kind of like show his true colors towards the end and he is shown to be kind of an ass um, but thankfully it doesn't get like really uncomfortable or weird mm-hmm. um, but it's around this time that the parties converge and uh, Louisa encounters uh, her two guys, uh, her two friends uh, her childhood friends and uh, they're all invited to dinner um, so like we have the situation where all the mountaineers like the Austrians included like still in their their casual wear still drenched in sweat and not clean shaven are sitting at at a dinner table with all these well-dressed high society types and from a visual standpoint it's really interesting just to look at um but also just like tonally it's really fascinating to see again the the style of speech between these two parties where it's like the the mountaineers are men a few words and then we have this 
this like head head reporter guy that's just like spitting spitting fucking lyrics man <laughs> like, he's just like he's just like rolling like he's just like holding court and like the austrians are like seated with the uh the uh, austrian aristocrat's wife and stuff and she's like trying to interview them and they're just like hmm food good <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like the most boring dinner conversation ever um but yeah this is around the time that uh tony kind of gets put out a little bit because he see he he is wise to the fact that like you know i think i think my gal's boss really eventually would like to boink her um and that kind of like hurts me on some level but i'm one of those gruff manly individuals who doesn't really talk about feelings and shit mm-hmm. uh and so instead of saying anything i'm just gonna take off in a huff and then uh <laughs> deliver my journal to her in the middle of the night and like not so subtly basically say you know i think i might die soon <laughs> you may as yeah. well keep this <laughs> it's a it's a pretty dramatic moment now uh, we're kind of speeding through the movie um out of necessity but um I do want to say that none none of this, like as much as I'm making light of it, none of this is done clumsily. Honestly, it's actually performed quite earnestly and has a sense of dramatic weight to it. It's not clumsy, um, but yeah, they they oh. begin their climb. Oh, Kyle, go ahead. I know who she reminds me of now, Louise. Um, oh my gosh, uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg from Antichrist, the lady from Antichrist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in 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 certain light, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Same yeah. like facial features and eyes. Uh, Luis's nose is a little bit bigger, but yeah, they 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 have similarities. I'm like, this lady reminds me so much of somebody. I'm like, that's who it is. Um, yeah, an- that- Antichrist, folks. Uh, not for everybody, but uh, if no. if you're into it, check it out because uh, it is quite yeah. good. But again, you you know who you are. If if on paper it doesn't <laughs> sound appealing, maybe don't bother. <laughs> Even if it does sound appealing and you're on the fence, probably skip it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> so the next morning, uh, it's super rainy, which means it's definitely snowing. It's likely snowing up on the mountain. But yeah, super rainy. And I like just the subtle Andy, because Andy was hitting the sauce pretty hard that night. So Andy's a bit hungover, and he's just like kind of rubbing his forehead and like, ugh. Luis is also hungover. I like her little Alka-Seltzer that she gets in the morning, uh, which is nice. Uh, but then I guess Tony goes to see. Oh, and she's given the book. That's the book and the kiss. They have a nice. They share a nice uh, uh, kiss at the door as well. I forgot. Um, but they're going to start their climb in the middle of the night. Yeah, in the middle of the night. Um, I, I, I understood this as a uh, Tony made a big deal uh, even before they even started their journey uh, to the town uh, about the weather. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like part of it's the mountain. The like the maybe more important factor is the weather. Uh, so I think just looking out into the clouds at night, he he was like, you know, this is the time. Uh, so even even if it's the middle of the night, even even if it's miserable, even if you are hungover as shit, Andy, it is time. Uh, so they begin mm-hmm. their climb, um, and it begins in a pretty orderly fashion. Like they. It, it has a similar vibe, although the lighting's totally different. It has a similar vibe to the earlier climb we saw with them uh, kind of joyously heading up to the summit uh, in their local area. Um, <clears throat> but they very quickly encounter their first hiccup uh, in the form of they had a supply bag that they had stowed. So they made like a Ford expedition ahead of time, which as far as I understand, this is very, very common with mountain climbing, especially like extraordinarily high altitudes this is like your body can't 
survive that. You actually have to condition yourself to to steadily reach higher altitudes. This isn't. I don't believe that's the case here at all. But you know, you can only carry so much. So they they actually headed up there earlier, like a few days earlier, to stow a bag of equipment. Um, and the problem though comes in the form of, oh shit, there was inclement weather. And oh shit, it's the 1930s, and our our bags and our materials aren't exactly the sturdiest. We lost some shit. Yeah. Uh, it the bag done got tore, and uh, yeah, we lost some equipment. And specifically, I think they, I think they explicitly make mention of the equipment as being things you would you would need to negotiate icy terrain. And I think Hundy even says, like, oh, I don't think we're going to be running into much snow, though. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, oh sir. <laughs> they, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they, haven't, they haven't seen the rest of the movie, so they don't know. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, actually, it's funny, because, like, we don't actually start up the mountain until, like, 40-plus minutes in. But I was actually starting to get worried. I was like, there better be some fucking snow in this in this mountain movie, because I did... I did go into this mostly blind, and the theme is cold movies, but, you know, it ends up paying off, uh, because very quickly, it gets real fucking cold, and it stays cold. Um, But yeah, uh, they decide to head up, even though they lost some supplies, Um, and very quickly, they discover that, oh shit, uh, the Austrians uh, are right on our asses. Mm -hmm. Like, they're following us beat for beat. And uh, there's a lot of frustration exhibited by the two parties in the form of, like, them questioning, like, make your own damn route. Like, yeah. it, this is going to get crowded. It's going to get complicated. It's going to get dangerous. Maybe go a different way. Uh, so they're shouting at each other on the mountain. Um, and at one point, there's an accident uh, in the form of some rocks falling and fucking braining one of our Austrians. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fucking brain them. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, so, yeah, they're in the, like, even the German is like, you're in our fucking, like, you're in line with us. Like, if things fall, it's going to hit you. Like, it's your fault, basically. But, yeah, this Austrian gets smacked in the eyes. Like, ah, ah. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm just like, yeah, serves you right, you little shit. But, yeah, the Austrian uh. gets, gets knocked on. He's got head blood, and that's not what you want. Head blood is not a thing you want. Oh, yeah, like. I mean, I've never experienced it myself, but I, I, I've watched quite a bit of combat sports in my day. Man, head cuts. Ooh, they. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of blo- your brain needs a lot of blood, and yeah. there's a lot of pressure up there. Yeah, head cuts bleed a lot. A, a and, lacer- and you're on a mountain. A laceration from a punch. I'm like, I, I'll see that too. I'm like, how the fuck do you even do that? <laughs> <laughs> Just, but yeah, this guy eats a fucking rock in the head. And he's like, yeah, I'm all right. Just get the wind knocked out oh, of me. Oh, it's a little woozy. feel a woozy. feel a woozy here, man. Yeah. Much, much like uh, Sergeant Ma- yeah. Mike Horvath, he, he just like rubs some dirt on it, and he's like, nope, we're still going. <laughs> well, I like how they, they kind of tell us that these Austrians are going to be in trouble because they are overly confident and cocky. Uh, even after one of them is likely concussed. He's like, <laughs> these guys think they're going to beat us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he he is a little he's a little bit ahead of himself in that thinking, but yes, he is bleeding from the head for the remainder of this journey. <laughs> and by the way, it, it continues to worsen. Um, apparently, 
I don't know the extent of the actual head injury, but apparently the reason why this was included in the film was because the, they actually recovered this guy's corpse, um, and he did have a severe head laceration. Mm. So I, I guess they they didn't really get the story because obviously you know yeah. the mountain won, so we don't really know the, the we don't really have anyone to tell the tale. But that that's just a something they pulled from the information that was on the body itself. Um, but yeah, uh, the whole time these folks are climbing, by the way, all the people down below are watching from telescopes. And <laughs> I mean, I, I hope you had fun watching that man eat a fucking rock in the head. It's like, is that entertainment? In fact, the, the one Austrian gentleman points out that it's like akin to like watching a gladiatorial exhibition or something. It's like this feels it's interesting because like his wife is swept up in the spectacle of it. But he's actually like kind of disgusted by it. He's like, I don't like this doesn't sit well with me. I don't like the idea of watching these people risk their lives. Like it's not entertaining to me. He finds it barbaric to yeah, some but extent. How are they like, th- like while they're going up, it's like, Oh, uh, he's not doing so well. Like they can tell by the way he's climbing. Like he's not doing so well. Like something's wrong. I'm like, how the fuck could you even tell from down there? Well, I mean, I, I saw my first, uh, well, not my first live hockey game, but my first Seattle Kraken game, oh, uh, nice. just the other day. And I was surrounded by people who didn't know a fucking thing about hockey. And, you know, people just say things. <laughs> like, like They just project ideas and, and, and philosophy onto onto what they're seeing, like, just in the hopes that they'll be somewhat right. So, yeah, I could totally see some asshole behind a telescope being like, oh, it, look, it looks like he's having some trouble up there. It's like, how do you know? It's all like, it's all trouble up there, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's all pain and cold and suck. You know when it you're, is, it, it is it is like days of suck. That's you know what it is when you sometimes slip on the sidewalk when it's flat, when it's kind of wet. They are up there in snow and rock, going at a ninety fucking degree angle. Like that's it. They're having trouble the whole way. Yeah, no, like, this is around the time we get to the part of the journey where they are literally having to cut out footholds every step. Yeah. Like, like every every step of progress requires them to make a place to put their foot in solid ice. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, this this totally fucking sucks. It all sucks. It all like, sucks. So, if he doesn't look like he's doing well, trust me, the other guys are also having a bad time as well. Um. But yeah, uh, around this time we get a, a, a crucial plot development uh, in the form uh, of you don't Gandhi. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this this was a big one. Uh, I, the whole time, I'm sure you and I had similar reactions to this. It's like, don't you do it? Don't you? Why did you do that? Why? What are you doing? <laughs> like, the, so Andy, the traverse, Andy, traverse. Uh, yeah, Andy. Uh, they come across a part in the route where um, they need to. They need to make a swing. Uh, so basically, he needs to run alongside the mountain and just swing back and forth like a pendulum uh, and make make gradual progress and gain momentum so he can swing out further and further and further. And obviously, this takes quite a bit of effort and skill. I um, mean, he manages to pull it off, and everybody's very proud of the accomplishment. Um, in fact, I think Tony even points out, it's like, dude, you just made history. That's pretty fucking cool, huh? He's like, yeah. It is pretty fucking cool. Now, I think I'm going to take the rope that I just used to do that and drop it <laughs> or pull it off. Yeah, pull it off it, the mountain. Yeah, so we end up getting this um, really insulting shot of uh, two carabiners on the mountain. It's like, oh, we might need the rope for later. And he ends up taking the rope, and then we just, like, 
five, four, three, two, one. All right, let's cut away from the carabiners. <laughs> it's like, yes, okay, I get it. It's going to be the, the huge plot point of the movie where they needed this rope, basically. It's funny, Kyle. I, I shot a short video with uh, Orion and his brother a long time ago. And uh, it was never finished because um, Orion's brother, uh, his his ass put a hole in the wall in their apartment. And I just said, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, like, the property damage has been incurred. We're, we're cutting it. Like, like, we are abandoning this project. But um, up until then, uh, I had very deliberately inserted shots of him using a, a ballpoint pen. And, like, I, I tracked the shot of him clicking the pen and putting it in his pants. And, like, the there's a lot of crazy shit that happens in this video, Kyle. And yet, across the board, the first comment I always get when I show it to people is, like, what the fuck happened with that pen? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it didn't get finished! There was supposed to be more! <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was akin to that, where it's, like, very deliberately just training the camera, fixing the camera on the carabiner. It's, like extract meaning from this image because it's important (laughs) and like to be honest though i mean it's very it's a little clunky but at the same time um when we when we get back here it hurts it's this it's the movie it's pretty much the movie Um, yeah yeah uh this austrian so we get uh so these austrians use it to get over as well and then this austrian is still like super cocky I'm like, bitch, they let you over. Like, you wouldn't even be over here without them. And he's still like, these guys are fucking stupid. Like, we're, we're totally going to beat these guys. And his partner is just like, dude, you're not looking good. Like, you've got a lot of head blood. And you kind of sound stupid right now. So, we might have a problem. And I think he tried to urge – this is where he urges him, like, we need to go back down. You need to see a doctor. And he, like, takes him, like uh, <laughs> like, right over the edge, basically. He's like, motherfucker, we're going to the top. There is no down there. And he's like, dude, you are out of your fucking mind. Uh, you're going to get us all killed, which he does. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm making this reference and not you. I was getting some Samwise and Gollum vibes here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, bitch, we're going well, up the mountain. No, it's like, no, my, my soul is ready, Dr. Jones. Is yours? <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Very Malaram-esque. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we see that all parties are kind of miserable. But this is where they, uh, they do their uh, bivouac which is a really fun word by the way uh, basically you, you like you like put yourself in a cocoon like a capitiller oh, yeah. yeah and uh they have to do this in the night because it gets really fucking cold it's basically the only way to find enough comfort and warmth to uh rest in these miserable conditions um but both parties are doing that the austrians have to little flip out um and we cut back to the reporters and uh they're again doing what they do they're they're dining in and uh it it's just the just the juxtaposition is incredible between the comfort levels of our two parties yeah but i love that uh tony has a ritual of smoking at night on the mountain <laughs> it's like like that's how you can tell you're badass you just like pop open your joe camels and like, non-filter this is before they had filters too these were just straight up uh just filterless cigarettes too and he's an he is <laughs> His cardio, like his cardiovascular condition, is probably through the roof because he is uh, he's a climber and a very well, a very good climber as well. Oh yeah, no, he, it's not a handicap for him. It gives him no. juice. Yeah, like it, it gives him hype juice uh, to climb that mountain. Um, but we set off uh, when conditions have 
I guess settled. It's st- it looks shittier than ever. Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, are you sure you want to keep going? Um, and I believe this is around the time they run into uh, one of the other climbers that had gone before them. Yeah, uh, I, f- I forget which one of them it is, but they actually, um, as they're chiseling out footholds for themselves in the snow, uh, they actually come across the the fellow's equipment and then the fellow himself <laughs> in in his bivouac gear, and. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, what did you think? What did you think about this funeral service, <laughs> dude? It made me think of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So they just like wrap him up and throw him off the side, and then I'm picturing Keanu Reeves and uh, the other guy, uh, Alex Winter, just going <laughs> and like hawking a loogie off the side to try to hit him because <laughs> it is so unceremonious. They're just like they wrap him up and just kick him off the side. Like I don't know why. Like I don't know why at uh, Mount Everest, like. People who die, just they're just there. They just like they're just there. They're just there, and I'm like, it sucks, but that's like it's we're not taking them back down. Um, I think that they should have just left him there, honestly. But it, it would have been it would have been more uh, dignified, in my opinion. I mean, it is quite the sight seeing a a, a wrapped body bound its way down up cliffside. <laughs> like it, yeah. it really does look disrespectful. But they say a prayer. Um, it's clearly done with respect, but just to see it, it's like, oh my god, that's fucked up. Alvita saying. <laughs> I mean, it's not quite, you know, Spock being shot out in a tube into space with Amazing Grace playing over it. It's not quite the same air of dignity as that, um, but they tried. They did their fucking best. Um, but at this point, our, our parties have actually joined forces, like, kind of reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Very reluctantly, in fact. Um so the Austrians are in such tight quarters with the Germans that they're they're basically having to help each other up. Yeah. Um, and also, by the way, the guy with the head wound, the still bleeding head wound, has been doing really bad. Like, hey, those people on the ground did call it right. He's not doing right. He's not doing well. Um, so he's, like, on the verge of passing out every couple steps, such that his buddy actually has to, like, slap him on the back of the head to remind him to climb the fucking mountain. Dude, you, you've got a problem if you're falling asleep climbing up a mountain. Yes, it's it's not good, but uh, they're they're on a really treacherous part of the journey. It's like a sheer just cliffside, um, and uh, an incident occurs, Kyle. Yeah, the, the, this this made me go, oh, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I call the kerfuffle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what starts it, but. Uh, I think uh, a couple of the guys get knocked down, basically. So um, Andy, Andy, I think gets knocked loose a little bit, and um, one of the Austrians, one that has the head wound, gets his leg stuck in the side, and I think he is dangling um, uh, Andy, basically, because to- Tony's fine. Andy's dangling. Basically using this dude's broken leg as, like, holding him up from what I can gather. Because this guy is screaming the whole time. Um, it's bad. It's like a, confa- a compound fracture with skin missing broken leg. Like, it's pretty gnarly. Oh, it, it is quite gnarly. And it's it's interesting the way they present it. Because you, you, see, you see what happens. It doesn't look fun. No. And then the noises this guy makes, it's just like... Oh man! And then when they finally get around to like pulling up his pant leg, it's like, yeah, 
that looks like what it sounded like. It, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's rough. Um, and uh, all credit to the filmmaker here. I, I I haven't pointed it out, but the film does have like a, a booming orchestral soundtrack from time to time. But in its tenser moments, pure silence. Mm-hmm. And this this sequence in particular, like just the the echoes of the mountains and this guy screaming, uh, it it really plays well. It's it's very intense. Um, when the music does kick in, there are some really nice moments. I forgot to mark them down, but this when you when the score does come in, it's very noteworthy. Yeah, we haven't been talking about uh, because we're trying to zip through this one, but um, the both the score and the photography. Uh, the cinematography in this film are quite good because mm-hmm. um, mind you this is from 2008 and it's yeah. also a german film by the way kyle I, I this is a small detail but it's worth pointing out i love this about foreign films is the uh, production credits before the movie even starts it's like every mom and pop shop in germany pitched in like five bucks to pay for this movie it's so cool because it's not like a, a big hollywood production where it's just like two or three major studios or something mm-hmm it's like it's like every mom and pop shop. It's just like everybody called their neighbors and were just like, "Hey, can you like loan me five dollars for for this movie I want to make?" Because like th- just the number of production companies involved is staggering. It's it's like over a dozen. I feel like it was either Saint Maud or the Lure, where it was like five minutes later. Okay, now the the, the Lure. It was the, the Lure. Lure. Absolutely, okay. yeah. And again, Polish film, so it's like everybody in the neighborhood and and beyond had to chip in a couple bucks to to pay for this thing because movies are fucking expensive yeah and it's really cool when you see that like some some korean movies are like that as well where it's just like wow like every every korean company in existence pitched in something to this film uh just to pay for the damn thing but yeah from a cinematographic standpoint this film is very handsome and uh, a lot like it's really amazing how the effects work in it because we have a combination of of like actual location footage sets and cgi and helicopter shots and everything it all splices together so beautifully that it's Mm -hmm. like i defy you to actually really pinpoint what you're looking at from shot to shot because uh the weather effects are probably i have to imagine a lot of cgi but it's done so skillfully and tastefully that's like it feels really genuine i couldn't tell yeah i couldn't tell where one ended and the other one began yeah, and that's coming from Kyle, who's generally a stickler for details like this. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. So that says quite a bit. But um, yeah, the kerfuffle uh, occurs, and uh, everybody managed to to get back on the on the mountain. Uh, so we all the people that were left hanging uh, managed to reunite. Uh, but then we have a uh, another crucial pivot point in the story here, where um, this guy has got to go. Like mm-hmm. he, one way or another, he's he he's not long for this earth. <laughs> uh, so either we need to go without our German crew needs to abandon the Austrian crew, uh, or we need to help him to get back down because he is gravely injured. Uh, he very well will bleed to death or die of cold or shock or what have you. Um, and there's there are disagreements. There's deliberation that occurs here. It's all really genuine like this seems like a conversation that would happen because again we're on the side of a fucking mountain in in harsh in harsh conditions it's like it it actually doesn't sound like the worst idea to just keep going um although just the the fact that this guy is very likely going to die if we don't help him like everybody probably made the decision they all felt was correct didn't exactly pan out but you know given the the moral dilemma at stake here it's like yeah i I could totally see this working out so 
The Germans at one point want to go on without him, mostly Andy. He's the one lobbying for that. Uh, the healthy Austrian says, oh, I totally got this, bro. <laughs> like, I, I can totally haul another human being down a mountain by Absol- myself. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. No, I, I'm sorry. I don't care how tough and how Austrian you are. No. <laughs> no. Um, and Tony, right from the get-go, because he's he's our, our hero, basically, he's like, no, man. Like, this guy's hurt. We got we to gotta help him go down. So the, the mountain will still be here. Um, and thus begins the most perilous part of the journey um the way back um yeah. surprisingly um and we cut back to our reporters and see that um there's some tension in their ranks um and i believe this is the point where louisa's boss uh makes it known that like part of our job as reporters is like if we want to succeed in our profession the only stories that are worth reporting are like sensationalized ran- yeah. sensationalized yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's either a, a grand a victory or a treacherous, like a, a tragic defeat. Yeah. Anything in the middle, like if they just make it back, nobody's going to give a shit. Yeah. Um, so it shows you where his moral compass is at. But um, yeah, Kyle, some of the some of the highlights of them heading back, it's just like it's it's a slog. Yeah, so frostbite in movies like it doesn't happen very often but when it does it's it's one of those things for me it's like uh-uh like i can't even look at it because it's like it's really scary to me to be so cold <laughs> that you get frostbite and basically you're just gonna lose whatever wherever it's at like whatever is black now because it's so cold it's done you're losing that um so yeah so they're going down i believe andy loses a glove um oh tony yeah uh yeah yeah tony loses a glove and um you can see he, like their faces are already getting like the first stages of frostbite like it, it's gonna happen there's no getting around it um but eddie's arm this is this was one of the cringier moments for me eddie is just like i can't move my arm i can't close my fist like it's it's frozen and i like how andy or tony is just like we got to keep going, man. It'll thaw once we get down. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got to tell someone their arm's going to thaw. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I was getting some uh, lone survivor vibes from that. <laughs> it's like, I'm shot. Yeah, everybody's shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, whatever, man. <laughs> it's like, I'm cold. Yeah, what else is new? <laughs> we're all cold, yeah. Yeah, we're all cold, dude. But, um, yeah, that was rough because... A credit to the performer when Tony's telling him that you can see it's like he knows he's lying. Eddie yeah. knows he's lying, but it's like what you're on a mountain. Like you either got to go up or down or or die where you stand. Like they they just got to go. And yeah, it, like that man is going to lose that arm. It, that's terrible to know that. Like oh shit, I need to live with this for, like for the rest of however long I'm alive. But um, yeah, Tony losing the glove was just one of those. Yeah. moments where it's like that's gonna hurt later yeah like it's it already hurts now but that is really gonna hurt later but um yeah when they're in their uh bivouac all four of them uh eddie continually has to slap his buddy awake because uh, he's like dude if you sleep like i know sleep is what we all want but if you if you go to sleep you will die like like yeah. you need to stay awake as as much as that feels like the most comfortable decision at this point you need to stay awake um and yeah, they're they're making such slow progress. It it is absolutely painful to watch. But uh, Luizo like wakes up in the middle of the night, and uh, she actually like walks 
the trail of of the train car uh, that they had rode yeah. up earlier. Um, and I think this is symbolic of her kind of like crossing over into the, into their uh, lane of the, the narrative, where it's like now she's the one putting in the legwork that she was you know able to skirt around previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and she heads out to an, like an observation hatch, essentially that's carved into the mountain, and uh, she's waving a flashlight around trying to get their get the climbers' attention. Uh, because if they can get over to the hatch, then they don't have to climb down the entirety of the mountain. They can just go into that that hole, and then they can ride the train back down. Good plan. And uh, she actually does manage uh, to make them aware of it. So now they have a, a clear objective. Only problem is it's really fucking hard to get there. Uh, incredibly hard, yeah. in fact. Um, Someone say that's impossible, actually one thing Trevor. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, by the time we get to the end of the journey, yes, it, it, it apparently is impossible. Um, but it's around this time that we get to that, uh, the, the dreaded carabiner. Mm -hmm. Um, so as Kyle had pointed out, the film was very keen on planting this seed in your brain that this, this part of the mountain, we are going to come back here and it's going to suck. Um, so the reason why this sucks is that they had a line attached to the side of the mountain that they, they could just like hand over hand, just kind of like walk along to, to traverse this, this sheer cliffside they pulled the rope off yeah. so it's no longer there which means that that incredible feat of physicality that andy had to pull off swinging like a pendulum he has to do it again while he's exhausted and beat to shit this is always so devastating uh i don't know if you read do you remember that i think it's into the wilderness um that remember that film with uh oh what's that little shit's name emil hirsch he plays the guy that yeah, goes... Spe- speaking of Lone Survivor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I read that book about the actual guy that went in. And so basically, he crossed a river, uh, I think in late summer or early fall, when it was really low, basically. And I think there was actually a bridge that went across. And he ended up like just camping in this bus that a lot of hunters and travelers would use. Well, come wintertime, uh, he was basically starving to death, and he needed to get back over that river. But it was winter... And that thing was just in full force, and like there was no way he could get across it. So it was just so simple. But also, a mile either upriver or downriver, there was a sky like like a higher bridge that he could have crawled, he could have gone across. And it's just like he ended up dying in there, I think, because he ate some berries. Like they either he starved to death or he ate something that was poisonous and died. But it was just like it was right there. And this is that same situation. Like they had a way across. It was right there. And it's just taken away. Yeah, I mean that's that's an, a, also a true story, as mm-hmm. far as I understand. That was Sean Penn directed, I believe, right? Oh, uh, that is possible. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I didn't actually see it. It sounded like a very interesting story. Um, I I did know the ending of it though, um, which is part of why I, I didn't watch it. But it did sound like a very interesting story. But yeah, for whatever reason, like it's it's tragic in real life. Like I need to make that clear like this is some of the worst shit that can happen to people but from a narrative standpoint that is a that is a particular trope or or narrative trick that always is just it hits you man. it does just just to just to know like just how close somebody was and they just didn't get it Mm -hmm. um it 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 it's a particular thing that pops up in movies from time to time that's like you always appreciate because it just it 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 hits you on a different level and uh, this movie most certainly follows through on that as well but um 
it's interesting because this sequence where Andy is trying to perform the same feat again, again, exhausted and beat to shit. Uh, in real life, apparently this, this was like hours, like this was like five hours of swinging, mm-hmm. uh, which yes, when your life is at stake, I could totally see that. But uh, in the movie it's, it's condensed, but I didn't feel that it hurt it at all. Like I did get mm-hmm. the sense that a lot of time had passed and a lot of effort was exhibited. Um, but yeah, apparently in real life, this was like, if you bore witness to that, I'm sure that would just be that would just tear your heart out. Yeah. To see somebody just flailing for hours at a time and just unable to get it done. Um but yeah, Louisa keeps popping open the hatch to remind them where, where they gotta head to and uh it's just not coming together. Uh she has a, a confrontation with her boss at one point and this is where she kinda puts her foot down and says, like, I I am no man. <laughs> it's just like it's like she's fighting the Nazgul or something. Um, basically, she says, "I'm I'm not here to take pictures. I'm here to help with a with a rescue effort." Um, despite the fact that I'm in a good position to take photos, but um, we get our our second kerfuffle though, Kyle. Um, so kerfuffle number one resulted in uh, the utter destruction of one of our Austrians' legs. Um, kerfuffle number two is just the end of it essentially just like utter disaster um yeah. this comes in the form of a avalanche uh that hits andy pretty much square on the head um and because of the way the ropes are structured everybody's tied together um eddie uh has his head driven up into the rocks like into the into the mountainside and his he is he is brained like he is dead yeah he that's is it dead. for eddie um Andy's just badly concussed and hanging, um, and also he's suspended like along with the weight of uh, the other Austrian, the one with the the other Austrian with the head wound, the one with the earlier head wound. Um, and this is where apparently I don't know how accurate this is, but um, the reason why this plays out in the movie the way it does is apparently um, they did find a couple of climbers uh, with a cut line. Um, I don't know exactly who had cut the line or for what reason, but in the film it it, it makes logical sense. Like it, it does work out. But apparently this this is something pulled from examination of the bodies themselves. Is that there were a couple of climbers that did sever their their ties to the other ones. Um, but yeah, Andy is hanging with this other Austrian who, as far as I could tell, is dead. When he yeah he looks him in the eye and it's like oh he's, he's gone. He isn't yeah he is he is gone. Um, and Andy willfully cuts himself loose from Tony because it looks like he's going to pull Tony down with him. Uh, so Andy, basically, his last words are, like, you better make it home. Um, and he severs the line, and down he goes uh, into the abyss. And uh, Tony is left in conceivably one of the worst positions humanly possible. Yeah, on a ledge, like, being able to go nowhere. Yeah, he has enough. he has enough real estate to stand. And that's it. Yeah. And he's standing on a frozen, windy, snowy mountain alone, surrounded by dead people and ghosts. And yeah, he's frostbitten to shit. Uh, his one hand is totally useless. His face is black and red. Um, he is miserable. And he, <laughs> Kyle, is this not a Fassbender esque uh, s- scream of pain and torment? Yeah. It's agony. Like so, I think they the Germans, like she, man. They they got they got the guttural screams down. <laughs> so, um, 
Tony's still alive, and I think that uh, Luis has gone to get the local guys who are reluctant as hell to go help. Like, at the beginning, they're like, these guys are idiots. Like, they're just going to die. But she manages to get them to come help, and they're kind of on their way out there to help, and they're like, this is, like, we can't we can't make this. Like, we can't do this tonight, and they have to come back in. And you can just hear him screaming out there, come back, please, help. I want to live. And, like, I was getting, like, fuck, like, kind of choked up a little bit. I'm like, that is awful. And then the, the one guy just kind of closes the door, and it just kind of shuts him out. And you can't hear him scream anymore. Yeah, that was some filmmaking shit right there. That affected me as well. Got um, me. Because when the sound drops out it's like you can still hear him on the wind and mm. he's still out there like is, you guys you guys get to go back to a cabin with tea and, and a fireplace he's still out there these and, guys are dicks why didn't they they camp up there and just wait for the first second the weather gave up and then go out and help them no they go back down and then come back up the next day when it's oh oh looks like the the weather gave out finally i guess we can head back up there and try to help him fucking assholes yeah, I I don't know. I'd I'd be curious, like if there's there's some Germanisms or or some Europeanisms in here that you and I aren't privy to. Because mind you, this is Switzerland. Maybe they had opinions about Germany and Austria, and well, maybe they were less than willing to possibly. to help out or something. Because um, you you are right, it is specifically the locals, and we even have lines of dialogue from them in the town when they're when they're beginning their ascent that they they even say like. When they're first pointing out that one of the Austrians is floundering, they're like, "We're we are we are under no obligation to go help them yeah. if it gets worse." And it's like, "That's that's quite the opinion, sir." Thanks for thanks for verbalizing that in front of everybody. Well, <laughs> in that book, the Into the Wild, Into the Wilderness, whatever the fuck it was, um, that they had talked to like local. I think Ala- it was in Alaska. I think that happened. They talked to locals and like. They were kind of giving him shit because, like, in his journal, he had written down he had killed a moose. And they're like, he killed a caribou. This guy's a fucking idiot. And, like, just little things like, like, that guy's an idiot. He went into the woods with a pair of, like, rain boots and a bag of rice thinking that he was going to survive the Alaskan winter. And they're like, it. I think it's just kind of like maybe a survivalist mentality. It's like, you need to carry your own weight around here. I'm not responsible for you. I have to carry my own weight. So I kind of got that vibe from them as well. It's just like... We didn't put ourselves in this situation. They put themselves into harm's way. So I'm not in a hurry. I have a family. I don't want to put myself in harm's way for this person. Oh, and honestly, that's the only reason they even go up, in, at least in the movie yeah. version anyway, is that Louisa makes it known that she has an attachment to Tony. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of a hot lady asking. Her <laughs> <laughs> She's easy on the eyes, guys. We could help that's her like, out. Uh, shit. Yeah. You got me, <laughs> but but yeah, I think you're you're right. That's it. They probably viewed them as like hot doggers, where it's like hey, you guys full of hubris. Like yeah, you, I, like there's a reason why we don't try to do what you're doing. It's because we're not fucking stupid. Um, but yeah, they do agree to go up again. Uh, they go they go out when the weather settles down, and uh, miraculously, Tony has yet to expire. Uh, he is still conscious. He's still alive. And uh, in the middle of the night, Louisa actually goes out. And I'm pretty sure this is entirely fabricated. But yeah. it works from a dramatic standpoint. But she goes out there to keep him company, to, like, hold vigil. So she's quite a distance from him. But she's just, like, giving him something to cling on to, essentially. Um, and so the weather does clear. And uh, unfortunately, Tony is in a position where uh, they cannot get to him. Because the only way... 
it would be feasible to help him is to go above him and then come down and it, it's not a good position so they're not they're not able to nor willing to risk it so they <laughs> this poor dying man they have to yell up to him like okay i'm gonna basically read an entire tech manual to you out loud from memory please perform the following steps to macgyver yourself a belay and rappel down to us oh yeah you only have one functional hand is that a problem good good <laughs> but yeah he, he he uses his teeth to unravel one of his ropes because he doesn't have enough line to get all the way down to them and apparently this was also events that took place over like five or six hours mm. Like in the film, it is condensed, but it's the filmmaking, the quality of the filmmaking really spells it out just how laborious and how dreadful this must be. Because all these people are just like watching him do this, and it's just like, we can't help you. It, it's as simple as seeing him move, try to move his hand and see him like take his teeth and put the frozen, as soon as he put the frozen rope in his mouth. And I saw him move his hand. I'm like, this is this is too much for me. <laughs> this is already too tedious. This is going to take a long time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm going to go back inside. Let me know, yeah. <laughs> let me know how it goes. Ooh, it's chilly um, out there, huh? <laughs> some asshole she, like just pops the hatch open. It's like, Burr! it's cold out here. Yeah. <laughs> what asshole? <laughs> Would you like but... some hot cocoa? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some hot cocoa? <laughs> We have Coco on the mountain. <laughs> uh, you you just have to get down the mountain. You can have all the Coco. Mm, it's actually made with milk, not water. Yeah. <laughs> mm, scrumptious. <laughs> not helping. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, carrot and stick, man. Maybe they need to do that. They need to <laughs> just, like, hold it up to a big... Um, but yeah, he does unravel enough rope, not not all the rope he needs, but enough rope to get it within, like, a couple of meters of them. And this poor guy repels himself, like, one-handed, down and just dangles in front of them. And this is... This is one of the ugliest deaths in, in recent memory for me in cinema history. This is just so tragic. Now... Did he actually actually just die like midway trying to help him down like this? From what I've read, this he died dangling. Wow. Yeah, with like not within arm's reach, but like within plain view of the people who were there to help him. It's like Jesus. It was known to them like there's a a last minute panic here where they realize oh shit he doesn't have enough rope but he's not his higher brain functions are not there like you can't you can't correct the plan he's he's just on autopilot doing the thing now like you can't fix it on the fly so when he runs out of rope and he runs out of steam again they can't reach him it's yeah. up to him to to basically the last step of this process involves removing the carabiner like severing the weight of it so he drops and hopefully lands close enough that they can retrieve him but he he just doesn't have the strength to undo it so he was he was one step in the process. He was at the last leg of the journey, like the last last little thing, and he just couldn't do it. That's tragic. Uh, so yeah, it's so it's so fucking awful because these these guys just have to look at this guy. And by the way, he's hanging out there at such a distance. It's like you can't bring him home today. Maybe 
down the line nature will take its take a toll on the rope and he'll fall and maybe we'll find him i think they actually did that but uh not today we can't reach him today um but yeah he just passes out hanging he he passes away uh hanging in front of all these people including the lady that kind of has a thing for him um and everybody kind of trudges back home uh miserable and uh, we have a, a brief epilogue for Louisa where she kind of chews out her former boss and she's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this this journalism business anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think she moves to like Cleveland or something. Oh, Jesus. Uh- <laughs> I know. Of all, of all, yeah, I'm looking at it right here. It says Wally's Night Station. No, uh, Overland, Wally's Night Station. And the 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 background looks like an American city or something because it's it's written in english i believe so i want to say she immigrated or something but um we see that she's become a photographer but looks like not for journalism just like a photographer so she's taking pictures of like a jazz musician and we just get a few closing lines of dialogue from her about the importance of like finding love in life gives you reason to to carry on essentially mm-hmm. it's kind of, kind of alluding to her attachment to tony and in kind tony's attachment to her it's like he probably would have died a day or two earlier if not for her you know trying to t- continually being a presence like making herself known to him mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it is a brutal fucking end for for our our mountain climbers um and a somewhat hopeful one for her but yeah, this is quite the movie. Uh, this was this was a total blind watch for both of us. Um, like I said, I, I just read an essay about it in a in a book from a, a weird fucking Japanese video game creator, <laughs> and I, I took a chance on it. And hey, what do you know? It ended up like Kyle had said, probably objectively one of the better movies that I've I've picked for this show. <laughs> not not that I'm batting a thousand with my choices. I've definitely got some stinkers in there, but uh, this is one of the. Oh. This is one of the highlights. I don't even remember the name. I know which one you're thinking of, but I don't remember it's the name. The, it's the Irish one. Yeah. The Wailing? Was it The Wailing? No, not The Wailing. The The Hollow. The Hollow. Oh, The Hollow, yes. No, no, The, the Hollow was okay. There's that other one. Oh, with, God. Like, the vampire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, whatever the fuck that was. Yeah. No. I can't even fucking remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was so long ago, but yeah, that, that was... That was one of the not so good ones. That that um, was I got tricked by the trailer. I'm like, oh, there's something. I feel like there's something good here. Oh, it was a they tricked me. Oof, did they trick me? I mean, it it's like a lot of horror movies of that caliber. It kind of like started okay. Like it, it kind of tricked you into thinking like, oh, hey, you know, this is clearly very low budget or something. But it's like it, it's it has a look to it. It has a vibe. Like it, it's trying its best. Um, but yeah it did not exactly pan out no um no not by a long shot and for the for fuck's sake i cannot remember the name of that movie it's not important it's really it's really not important it's really not important (laughs) um but yeah this was a nordvond uh, aka in english a north face um, which is in reference to the the mountain the eiger um and this was directed by uh philip stolzel or Stolzel, uh, sure, go with that. And uh, yeah, it is is it is an exceptional mountaineering film. I was I was really taken by surprise by this one. Um, any closing comments there, Kyle? No, um, it's definitely worth your time. Uh, check it out. It's a it's not a fun one, but it's an interesting one for sure. 
Um, okay, well. And I actually know I actually noticed the music when it came in, so that's uh, that's surprising as well. <laughs> yeah, that that again, folks at home, Kyle is is not one to comment on uh, score uh, for film, like songs maybe maybe that catches your ear ear better but scores not so much uh, so that that does stand out quite a bit but by the way uh that uh <laughs> that irish film is uh from the dark mm. 2014 and it is from our uh may is for monsters month uh from episode 83 <laughs> yes yeah, skip that folks skip it <laughs> Okay, well, that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, including our episode on From the Dark, <laughs> um, you can find all of that collected on our website at uh, catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias, on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. Uh, and the website, or the podcast, rather, is available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. Uh, so fucking Google it. Uh, and that being said, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will catch you next time. Yeah. Sorry, my lips are chapped, and I can hear half of what you're saying because of the bandwidth.